So let me talk about what we're doing this morning. There's two things happening here. Uh, on one hand here, you have who God is. And this is not an, an all-inclusive uh, list, but this is just some of the attributes of God. So what we're going to do is I'm going to talk about each one of these attributes here that God is. And what we're going to do is we're going to say, hey, because, because this is who God is, these things here, that evokes a response. You can't just be neutral about that. That evokes a response. So because of who God is, then I'm going to talk about this. Therefore, therefore, it's going to impact your life. Okay, You need to do something. We're going to talk about that you want to live for God. So uh, let me tell you a little bit now about the illustration that we're going to use to illustrate the whole, the whole point. The illustration is being taken from this. You say, well, what is this? This is about true story Dr. Paul White, missionary that at 16 years old, right there, uh, he, he's not 16 there, but when he was a young man, he said to himself, I want to follow Christ. I want my life to make a difference. I want to do something. It's just not going to be all about me all of the time. When he discovered who God was, he said, I got to do something. And the phrase is coined from him to live, to give. And so uh, he went uh, then he went to medical school. Here's a picture of him uh, going off to Africa after he graduated from medical school in Australia. And then he, uh, 1910 is when uh, all this story began. Uh, and then next picture here, here he is working in Africa, in uh, Tanzania. They're doing a surgery. And so, uh, and he spent his life, he gave his life there in Tanzania, serving, uh, not chasing the American dream, giving up everything, to go there. He, he showed up in Africa uh, with just uh, the things that he had bought. We're going to tell you a little bit about that in a moment. So here it is. So this is like a hut and uh, with medical supplies from that era. Uh, real, there's blood in here, not real blood, but uh, medical supplies and things. And things that he would have had, uh, he uh, would, would uh, uh, work in thatched roof huts there, uh, had his medical bag. And then he, he didn't even have light. He didn't even have light, but he had a, a motorcycle that a guy named Fred built for him, and they would turn the, the, the bicycle, and then it would produce light, so he could work off that. So anyway, uh, you're going to hear more about the story of Dr. Paul White that's going to illustrate why we want to do something with our lives. We could have taken many illustrations, people throughout history, or biblical illustrations, but we chose to take him, and you'll learn mo more about that. Good morning. Let me introduce myself. I am Dr. Paul White, and welcome to... Africa. I was just getting my medical supplies and looking through all the memories I have with them. One memory I have is a friend of mine called the Lion Hunter. This guy was very important to me. Do you guys want to hear about the Lion Hunter? All right. Way back when, way, way back when, in a galaxy far away. No, just kidding. I come up to a crowd of men in Africa and they're gathered around a lion, a dead lion, and they're all looking. And I said, who killed this lion? And they pointed towards the hut. There was a guy in there moaning and groaning. So I run over there, and I go to check his pulse, and there was nothing. So then I see blood on his shirt. So I go, and I see that he has a small heartbeat. But before I finish this story, do you guys want to know how I got here in Africa? Well, I was 16 years old, 
And I didn't know what I wanted to do in my life. I didn't know where I was going to go when I died. My mother wasn't much help. She was always so busy. My Sunday school teachers just assumed that I knew God. It wasn't until I heard a pastor speak that I gave my life to Christ. I knew that I was going to trust him and do whatever he wanted me to do, which was scary because I didn't know what I wanted to do. So I decided to become a missionary doctor, but I had one problem. I didn't have supplies or equipment. So I was at church one day, and this lady gave me $10. You know what I did with that $10? I went to McDonald's. No. I went into an auction, and I bid $2 on some supplies, and no one else bid. So I got the supplies I needed. A couple of days go by. My phone rings. And it's a lady. She said that her husband, who was a doctor, had passed away and asked if I wanted her equipment and supplies. I said, of course I do. It was $8. If my math is good, 8 plus 2, that's the $10 that I had gotten from that lady at church. Fast forward. So I decided to become a missionary. I'm in Africa. I'm gathered around this guy who's injured, who's hurt. And I have to do something. So I decided I was going to give him a small, a small shot to numb the pain. We take him to a hospital and we get there and it's not looking good. He would need a blood transfusion. But none of the guys were willing to give a blood transfusion there is this lady out in the distance who comes running. Her name's Parises. She says, I will do the blood transfusion. She gives a blood transfusion. I decided to give this guy the name Simba, which means lion in Lion King or Swahili. So Simba's there. He's healing. He wakes up and he sees the jar of blood just like this. And he says, who would donate their blood to save my life? And Percy says, God gave his life for me. That is why I gave my life for you to live. He went to church with me a couple times. He learned how to read the New Testament and write passages. A year goes by. I didn't see him. One day he shows up. I was excited to see him. He says, I'm here to see Percy's and give her beautiful clothes. I also have something for you. And he hands me a coin sack, and he says, this is for your hospital. Every 10 shillings that I saved, I kept one, and I want to give you the rest so you could continue doing what you're doing. He said, I'm also not a brave lion hunter. I'm a little afraid now because I want to marry Pharisees. There's something different about her. What was different was she had the love of Christ. So I encouraged him to go and talk to the family. He went, found the family, and they became married and became missionaries and continued to spread God's word. And they lived happily ever after. So a true story, you can Google it, you can read about it, Dr. Paul White. Um, so what a story, though, that the, the individual whose life he saved, Simba, uh, when Dr. White first saw him, uh, and, they, and he, was, he was bleeding out, so he rips off his shirt, 
cuts up his shirt, put it in boiling water, and uh, makes tourniquets out of his shirt, and that saved his life. But then there was no blood. And none, none of the, the men there are willing to, to, and he's desperately asking for blood. There was Percy who, who got heard about it, said, all that Christ has done for me, I'm going to give my blood that, that he might live. And then to think that this is a true story, you can read about it. He wrote over 20 books, uh, Dr., Dr. White. And so to think about it then, that the lion hunter whose life was saved by the blood of this woman, this young lady that gave her blood, he ends up then marrying her. And then they end up uh, serving God together. So, so what a beautiful story. So that's going to illustrate that. I'm going to be making reference to that as I talk about um, God is these attributes. Because God is these attributes, therefore, we want to live for God. This is the foundational scripture for which we're going to be talking about, the foundational scripture, Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. And so what we're talking about here in Romans chapter 12 is that after 11 chapters, he comes to this conclusion, this kind of crescendo moment. He says, based on all that God has done, based on everything that he has done for you, based on everything that God is, therefore, we've got to respond. We, it disallows neutrality. We have to respond. So therefore, all the family of God, okay, uh, give yourself. Give your bodies over and look, be a living sacrifice. And so Dr. Paul White exemplifies that in every way. And that's why I'm going to be referring to him. So because of all that God has done for you and all that God is then, you want to respond to that. So uh, in, the, in the notes there for the kids, and we have a little fill in the blanks for both kids and adults. But God tells us to present our bodies as a living sacrifice. So uh, this area represents the space where Dr. Paul White, who I showed you in the pictures there, how he then uh, decided to present himself at 16 years old. So you don't have to wait till you're old to, to make a, de a decision to follow Christ. You can do it when you're young. And I want to encourage everyone that's young in here that you can make that decision. Um, I did myself when I was 17. And so, uh, and I had a story, my own personal story, like Dr. White's. And uh, so I went into the jungle and uh, into the jungles of Mexico. And, uh, and I worked there, and I worked with uh, men that would influence my life tremendously, Dr. Dick Nusma, Dr. John Taylor from India, Dr. Dick Nusma from Korea, South Korea, and uh, um, Dr. John McGregor from, uh, from London. So anyway, so these men so inspired my life that uh, as a young man, I wanted to be like them. And that's how Dr. Paul was. He inspired so many to be like, like him. So what we're going to do now is we're going to take a look at the attributes of God and see how that ties into making a decision to live for God. So you can still make the decision again when you're young to spend your life uh, living to give here. So we live to give because of who God is and what God has done. We're looking at these nine attributes. Number, the first question I want to ask is this, and I'm going to ask this again and again, who is God? Well, that's who God is there, not an all-inclusive list, but that's who God is. So the Bible says in 1 John chapter 4, verse 8, the apostle of love says this, whoever doesn't love doesn't know God because God is love. And we have like definitions of American love here that really have nothing to do with genuine, authentic, uh, the kind of love that we're talking about here. And so God then is love. God is love. And then in verse 10, he says this, 
This is real love. You want to know what real love is? It's not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be a sacrifice for our sins. In other words, it's a self-giving love, a self-sacrificing love there, like Percy did for Simba. So continuing to verse 19, it says that we love him because he first loved us. In other words, we're responding to the love of God. The Bible says that the love of God is poured out in our hearts by God's spirit, which is given to us. So you're not born this way with this kind of love, but you, you, when you're filled with God's love, you direct it according to his will. So God made the first move, in other words. We love him because he first loved us. God made the first move. God's love then kickstarts, initiates our relationship with him, which is characterized by love. And so, but our love is only responding to God's love. Then what do we do with it? How, what does it look like in a community like this? This is what it looks like here. Dear friends, since God has loved us that much, we surely ought to love one another. So watch, watch. You have been receivers of God's love if you're a Christ follower, but you're also to be a dispenser of that love. Like God gives you the love, then you dispense the love that he gives you. And so uh, he, we love him because he first loved us. And so uh, because, watch now, here it is. All that to say this. Because God is love, right there. Because God is love, because God is love, therefore, we got to respond to that. We got to do something. Okay, and so we live then, affects our lifestyle. We live then to give back, to give, to, to demonstrate God's love, to show his love, to, to love others there. And so, because God loves you. So, my next question is this my next question is this is who is God? Well, God is not only love, but God is good. God is good. God is good all the time. And so Psalm 119 puts it like this. God is good, and God can only do good. He's only good all the time. So what, you have to always lean back into this, because sometimes, how many people know life doesn't go good? Like, life goes pretty bad. But it doesn't mean that God is bad. bad God is good all the time. In fact, Romans puts it this way. And we know that all things, okay, God causes everything to work together for the good to those that are called according to his purpose, those who love God and are called according to his purpose. And so it doesn't say that all things are good. It says all things work together for the good. And so, uh, so you, are, you need to know that you are cared for by a good God that is working in your circumstances all the time. Therefore, you, wanna, you want to live for him, okay? So because, because then, because God is good, God is good, it evokes a response. I have to respond to that. So therefore, therefore, live for him. His goodness is expressed to you all the time. Therefore, you want to live for God who is good to you. So who is God? Who is God? Number three, not only is he loving, not only is he good, but God is all-powerful. He's all-powerful. The Bible says that him that's raised Christ from the dead dwells in you. The same power that raised Christ from the dead lives inside you. So God, this all-powerful God that the Bible says that uh, God created the heavens and the earth. In the original language of Hebrew, it's bara. God bara the heavens and the earth, which means that God spoke them into existence out of nothingness. Like out of nothingness. 
Think about it. When we create, it's always we created pre-existing things. God, by his power, just spoke them from nothingness into existence. And so uh, this is what God has done here. And as Isaiah says this, says, and who else has held the oceans in his hand? Imagine that. You say, man, the oceans are pretty big. And God says, yeah, they're about, let me see, I can hold the Pacific, the Atlantic, the Mediterranean. They're about, about that big. So you see how powerful God is? It says then also here, it says, who measures the heavens with his, with his span or his fingers. In other words, we think uh, Milky Way, galaxy, all that. God goes, yeah, it's about, yeah, about that, that big. He's so powerful that these word pictures describe for us, surely the nations of the world, Isaiah 40, 15, are but a drop in a bucket. So like the nations of the world to God are like a little drop in a bucket there. And so God is all powerful here. And so uh, surely the nations are like that. Knowing then that God is all powerful, how do you live? Like, what are you going to do? If you're a Christ follower, are you going to lean on his strength? On your best day, your strength runs out. My strength runs out. You reach the end of your rope, then what do you do? Well, then you rely on God's strength. You ask God to strengthen you. This is what I will say. I, this is exactly what I'll, this is what I do. I'm letting you into my life. I will say, Lord, this, whatever the circumstances, this is beyond me. Lord, this is beyond me. This is beyond my strength. Lord, I need you. And you can pray just like that. I need you. Because then his strength becomes your strength. Isaiah puts it this way in Isaiah 40, verse 29, that his power to the, to the weak uh, and strength to the powerless, even the youth will grow tired and weary. Young men think they're invincible. You know, you stumble and fall. But, but those that, that hope or wait, trust in the Lord, your strength will be renewed. When your eyes are upon him and you're following him and you will soar, then God will lift you up. You, could, you look at an eagle soaring. It's like, that's how you can do life. And you will run and not grow weary. And you will walk and not be faint. In other words, God will sustain you when you look to him. So when you lean on him and draw from him. And so because then, because then, God is what? God is all-powerful. That positions you, that strengthens you, that capacitates you then, therefore that you can live for him. It's not in your strength. It, 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 you are limited, but he is limitless. So because God is all-powerful, therefore you can live to give your life to him who empowers you to do that. This is good stuff, friends. And so who is God? Who is God? Who is God? God is everywhere. He's, he's omnipotent present. So you can't go anywhere where God is not. Psalms puts it this way in Psalm 139. The psalmist said this. He said, where can I go? Where can I go then to flee from your spirit? He says, where can I flee from your presence? He says, if I go up into the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, in other words, Sheol or hell, you're there. Like I can never escape you. You are everywhere. He's omnipresent. God is everywhere at the same time. How many people know you can only be at one place at one time? God can be everywhere all the time. So then because God, okay, because God is everywhere, I mean, you really, you want to follow, you want to serve a God like that, because that's true. Okay, therefore, again, baby, you can live for, because you're never anywhere that God is not there helping you to live for him. 
So the Bible says that, uh, that God will send a helper, a paraclete, a one who comes alongside to help, and there is the one that comes, on, comes alongside to help you to live the Christian life. And so, um, so a practical take-home point is this. Practical take-home point is this. Is that you need to remember that God is always with you because he's everywhere. He's for you. He's not against you. Joshua 1.9 says this. It says, the angel of the Lord says, be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid or discouraged. And it says this over and again. It says, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. He's with you. So you can take hope in that. Remember that God is always with you wherever you go. Question, who is God? Well, God is love. God is good. God is all-powerful. God is everywhere. And God is king. Romans chapter 11, verse 36 says it like this. For everything, everything comes from him and exists by his power and is intended for his glory, and all glory to him forever. So God is king. God is king of the universe, king of the cosmos. Jesus was king, and uh, biblically, they put a thorn of, uh, to mock him, but he was the king. And so he is the king. And because God is king, because he is king there, you want to respond to that like the king that came to die for his subjects and make you right with God. That's got to do something within you that you say, well, well, because of that, therefore, therefore I want to live for him. I want to live and I want him to be the king and the, the Lord of my life because he is the God of eternity. So who is God? God is creator. And who am I? Well, I was created by God. I was created by God for him and for his pleasure. Genesis 1.1 says, In the beginning, God created, and that is the word bara, the heavens and the earth, out of nothingness. So I'm created then by God, watch, and for God. It's not that I'm created by God for me. Uh, that's, a, that's, a, uh, that's what you would absorb just living in our culture, that I'm created or maybe you, people think that uh, they evolved, uh, which there's no science whatsoever to prove that or justify that, all hypothesis, but that's another subject. But anyway, but created by God, uh, for God, not for me. And my fulfillment in, in life will be found when I live for him. So God said, let us make man in our image and after our likeness. So then God created man in his own image, in the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. So uh, because God then is my creator, I was created for his, his pleasure. It says in Revelation, I'm created for him for his pleasure. When I live for him and his pleasure, that's where the greatest fulfillment in life is to be found. And so he is created because he is our creator, Therefore, really, what other conclusion can you come to besides then to live uh, a life knowing that uh, God, your created, creator, wants the best for you? And so who is God? God is love. God is good. God is all-knowing. He is everywhere. He is creator, and he is the king. 
And so also, God is all-knowing. He's omniscient. And so think about this. You don't know what holds tomorrow holds, but you have God who you're following who knows, the Bible says, the end from the beginning, who, the, who says uh, he knows uh, our life that is spent as a tale, a story which has been told. He knows your birthday from your death day. He knows everything about you. The number of hairs on your head, God knows. He knows everything. So knowing that, um, it gives you security and confidence leaning into following him. Psalm 139 puts it this way. Oh, Lord, you've examined my heart. Watch. And you know everything about me. Only God knows everything about you. And you know when I sit down or stand up, you know my thoughts even when I'm far away. God knows the very thoughts in your mind that you're thinking there. You see me when I travel and when I rest at home, and you know everything that I do. And so who am I? Who's the speaker this morning? The speaker is not all-knowing. I don't really know very much when it gets right down to it, to be honest with you. I'm just a little bit. But, uh, but I'm not all-knowing. See, but you know, uh, Psalm 139, you know that I'm going to say, you know what I'm going to say even before I say it. So are you willing to follow an all-knowing God who, wherever he would lead you? And so because of this, because then, that God is all-knowing, that he is all-knowing, that he is omniscient, because he's all-knowing then, Therefore, therefore, you want to live for him. You want to follow him. Say, live to give your life to an all-watch, an all-knowing God who knows what's best for you. Why wouldn't you then live to give your life to a God like that? Number eight, question, who is God? God is then, God is eternal. God is eternal. There it is, God is eternal. And so... John 3.16, for God, you probably heard this, for God so loved the world that he gave, gave his only begotten son, that whosoever would believe on him would not perish, but have everlasting life. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son, so that everyone believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. In other words, watch. You may be here this morning and feel like you may be watching online. It's like, I don't know, like, I, you know, I'm not like, I don't know if I could like, be like a Christ follower. Hey, this is for everyone. This is for everyone. So that everyone who believes, all you have to do is believe. All you have to do, Jesus said, I don't want you to be unbelieving, but I want you to believe in me. And when you believe in him then, you can have eternal life. If you'll confess with your mouth and, and, and say it from your heart, that Jesus is Lord, the Bible says, you shall be saved. So because God's loving, because he died on the cross for us, for our sin, and Jesus Christ uh, did the great exchange, became what he was not so that we could become who he is. We give him our unrighteousness. He gives us his right standing with God there. And so uh, who is God? God then is eternal. He is eternal. Uh, he is Savior. Ephesians puts it this way, for by grace, for by grace, here's how it works for you. For by grace, you have been saved by faith. Okay, 
God saved you by his grace when you believed. Okay? And you didn't do anything. You can't take credit for this, not by works which we have done. No, it's a gift from God. It's all of God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things you have done, but by his mercy that we're saved. So none of us can boast. So there it is. Watch then. Because, I mean, just process this for a moment. God became flesh and dwelt among us in the person, God wrapped in skin in the person of Christ, went to the cross and died for us, for our sin, that we could be right with God. And there's no other option, no other way we could be right with God. Like we're hopeless. When we were, we were without hope, Christ died for the ungodly. So Jesus did all that. Like the least you could do with his being your savior, if he is, because of what Christ has done there. Because God is savior, therefore, friends, come on. Come on, we, we have to make the choice to live for him, to, to live, to give, like the great Dr. Paul White, that at 16 years old, when that unveiling of what God had done for him became a reality, he said, I'm done with living life for me. I want to follow him. And that's how he became the jungle doctor that impacted a nation and saved countless lives because of realizing all, because of all that God is, because of that, therefore, live to give.